Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Angle Files for Angle Files. I am Lacey Bogger Milas, and joining me as usual through the magic of my laptop screen is my co host, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm trying to like psych myself up about the fact that I'm like drinking this smoothie instead of eating like the handful of chocolate chip cookies that I wanted to grab before I came down here to record. I'm very proud of you. I mean, I guess it's fine. It doesn't (laughs) taste, it tastes pretty good, but it's also not a chocolate chip cookie. So there's that. Yeah. So what are we talking about today other than chocolate chip cookies, which now I want a chocolate chip cookie. Okay, we have to stop talking about chocolate chip cookies because like I said, I don't have that. I have a smoothie. (laughs) Um, But... We are finally going to do an episode that I have been promising we were going to do for the past few weeks. Sorry in advance to everyone because this episode is going to be this show at its absolute most self-indulgent because this is something I want to talk about because I love it. And I'm going to be really obnoxious. Just keep your finger over the skip button if you need me to shut up. And our topic for the week is the recently released feature film, The Green Knight. I'm actually quite excited for this. Um, I have made you watch way too many mysteries recently. And like, I sort of feel like, A, this is probably payback for that. But also... I've been waiting for this movie for so long. Like, not even just to talk about it, but like to see it. Because it was supposed to come out like last winter, maybe. (laughs) Like, not 2021 winter, but like 2020 winter or something. And they've just been pushing it back and pushing it back. And it has now been in my eyeballs. And I feel good about that. Yeah, I, I, I'm just I'm just ready for you to nerd out because I, I, I don't get to see you nerd out enough on this podcast. Ah, you say that now. No, no, I don't get to see you nerd out enough on this podcast. And and, and I, I love it when people nerd out. For those of you listening along at home, she's not kidding. Um, The Green Knight is a film by directed by David Lowry, and it stars uh, Dev Patel, who many of you have probably seen in, in movies like uh, The Personal History of David Copperfield or Slumdog Millionaire, or maybe you're an OG Dev Patel fan like me who watched him on Skins back in the day. Dude, the Skins cast, like, my God, they have gone on to some great things. I am just still really angry that Kaya Scodelario has not... She played Effie, for those yeah. of you who don't remember. But she was, She's like, like the one so talented. She, I just want her to get something... Like, she was in the, one of the one of the later Pirates of the Caribbean movies and she's done some other stuff and she's still really talented but I just want her to have something that hits because she's so good and sadly is not in The Green Knight but could be I would have she would have watched her in this movie it only has like two parts for girls but still and and they're Uh. both played by Alicia Vikander No, um, one of them is that girl from um, uh, oh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Oh, um, um, Erin Kellyman. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's, okay, anyway. She knows that because she has the cast list. No, I actually anyway. know that also because I just think, like, when I saw her, she was originally in um, Solo, A Star Wars Story. and like, Oh, I've blocked out most things to do with that movie. It was fine. That, that movie was fine, but I really loved her in it. So I like went and looked her up and like she has like two sisters and like they're all models and they're amazing looking. And like, yeah, anyway, sorry, um, fan, fan, fan girling. All I remember about that movie is uh, Amelia Clark's outfits. Like she had some really great dresses. Yes. Yes, she did. Anyway, we're not talking about that crappy movie. We're talking about a much better movie today. <laughs> As I said, um, it's directed by David Lowry, who, if you've ever seen any of his other films, has a very sort of uh, 
distinctive style and aesthetic, and it is very prevalent in this movie. But the reason that I am obsessed with it, and I again, I am sorry in advance for all of this, is that it is based on a 14th century alliter- alliterative verse poem uh, called Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, or Gawain and the Green Knight, depending on how you want to pronounce it. We're not really sure how people pronounce it. I say Gawain, but I know a lot of people say Gawain. You may call him whatever you'd like. Uh, I-, I said Gawain until I saw this movie, and now I feel like Garwin sounds like far, far better. Garwin. Well, okay. they sort of had the it, they had the kind of the British accents kind of put an R in it the way that like Mam becomes Marm. Yeah, I say Gowan, mm-hmm. and the reason that I say Gowan because who actually has reason to say that a lot in their life, <laughs> um, is because I did. Because for those of you who don't know, I have a I have a master's degree in English, but my specialty was drum roll please, uh, medieval dream poetry yes that's a real thing send me your thoughts and questions if you have them i know people don't but i always ask (laughs) uh and it is the manuscript that the poem sir gowan and the green knight exists in uh that poem survives in one copy and in that manuscript are three other poems which are called purity uh patient purity or cleanness depending on how you translate the word uh patience and pearl and I wrote my master's thesis on Pearl. So, well, Pearl and Pierce Plowman by William Langland, but that's not connected to this. It's by a different person. But uh, so, yes, I have read a lot about the Gowan poet. I know a lot about this poem. And I was just really hyped for this movie because I feel like um, I just love Arthuriana. Before I decided <laughs> to make the obvious uh, financial decision to focus my intellectual endeavors on dream poetry i was an uh an arthurian person like i did a lot of stuff i was originally going to write my thesis on on various pieces of arthuriana most specifically the welsh tales of merlin or or merdinan depending on who you read um and i i also just have always loved the stories of king arthur uh disney's the sword in the stone was very formative for me uh, which is also a great I love The Mist of Avalon when great I was a movie. kid. I did too, except then Marion Zimmer Bradley turned out to be awful and it yeah, kind of retroactively true. ruined it a little bit. Uh, you know who I did love was Mary Stewart's Crystal Caves trilogy. Oh, that was that great. Was great. Um, not enough people know about that. So good. That was one of those 1990s era fantasy books that I just absolutely devoured. Oh, I loved it. I st- I, I've read it like several times. It's so good. And also, of course, um, T.H. White's The Once and Future King was really also very formative. But that's also the Disney movie, The Sword and the Stone. So they go hand in hand. But uh, Excalibur most... was, I think, the first one I ever saw. My, I think my, my, my parents showed it to me when I was like eight or nine. And I absolutely just like that. That was. Yeah, that was that's basically still Arthur for me. I was really hyped that they were going to make a movie out of Gowan and the Green Knight because not not just because I love that poem and the way that poem is structured and just the story of it all, but also because in modern pop culture, I don't know why this is, but it's like really hard for people to make a good King Arthur movie. Um, and I think part of the problem is that everybody who makes Arthur Arthurian related things thinks that it has to be about... Uh, it has to be about one of two things. It either has to be about the love triangle between Arthur and Lancelot and Guinevere, or it has to be about 
getting the sword out of the stone, and then the love triangle between Arthur Lancelot and Guinevere. Yeah, basically Excalibur. <laughs> remember that one where? Do you remember the one where? Oh my gosh, who was? Uh, Kira Knightley was Guinevere, but she was some sort of like Welsh sort of. Oh, and Celtic, Clive like, Owen is is yeah. King Arthur. I I I saw that. It's not. It's not good. Um, but I think yeah, because I think that's part of the problem is that they most people don't remember that the world of Arthur and Arthuriana kind of generally is much, much bigger than just King Arthur and Lancelot and Guinevere. There are tons of stories from the Middle Ages and the early Renaissance about the other knights of the round table, about the Grail quest, about all kinds of like weird monsters and stuff that people battle. There's a whole story about a knight that makes friends with a lion and they have adventures together. Would that not make the cutest kids movie? (laughs) I mean, there's so much more to to this section of kind of, you know, cultural mythology than what we tend to think in sort of our modern day contemporary lens. So I was just excited that they were going to make a King Arthur movie where King Arthur's like barely in it. Um, I, I, I always found this this poem to be like sort of a weird one to me. Um, I think I, I read the first time I, I read the story. It wasn't the actual poem. It was like a retelling of it for kids when I was young and I didn't quite understand it. And my mother was just like, oh, no, it's just a Christian poem. And so I've always I mean, it is, but it isn't. I, I've always thought of this story as one of the more overtly Christian stories probably because of that um which is why i found this movie to be like one of the things about you know the 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 story the original the the poem which i i read in i think i read in college um in an arthurian course um that uh basically like so so the guy is basically like over he he's like he's such a hero that he's almost boring Like, he's so obsessed with being pure and like his one little thing about like that, 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 that he's not quite basically he puts on it's called in, in, in the, in the, in the movie, it looks like a belt, but in the, in the poem, it's a girdle. Um, It's a sash basically. Yeah. And he basically like he he wears it to go see the Green Knight because um I'm I'm thinking the poem it's his mother who tells him if as long as he wears it he can't be hurt and it's it's that like is wrong and I will tell you what actually happens in a minute okay that's good um okay no no I don't know this is actually why like I'm I, this is great good um like I always thought of it as as uh, the thing that I sort of came away with is that because he doubted himself and needed the girdle he somehow failed himself. And I I think of that as a very odd sort of thing to make a movie about it because it's very difficult. It's so sort of slight and so sort of not it's not what our modern movies consider an adventure. This is because our modern understanding of the concept of chivalry and the 14th century concept of chivalry are very different. Um, There are actually two sort of. There's sort of like not a schism, but there's sort of a split in the kind of of uh, kind of I'm making air quotes romances that you get. There are like the the French romances that are like Chrétien de Troyes, uh, which is like the Lancelot stories and stuff like that. And there are earlier stories and where where the sort of themes are very different in those kind of Chrétien de Troyes stories. It's very like knights and ladies and love and honor and courtly romance and all of that kind of stuff in 14th century works like like the gowan poets it was chivalry was much more about honor 
and about being true to the oaths that you have sworn and the moral and upright life you have vowed to live. And that is part of, oh, let me try to remember. There are five like virtues of chivalry in the, in the early, you know, in like the 14th, 14th century. And every one of the things that had like, like, Gowan's tested on all of these things and he he ultimately does fail but in the original poem unlike the movie the ending is very explicit like uh, he is not you know that he lives and you know that he chooses to wear the the girdle for the rest of his life as a as a mark of yes shame but also a reminder that he did not live up to the ideals that he espoused and that everybody else sort of saw him as and that was sort of like a reminder to him that like the work of being good is constant and i think i think when we look at it we don't see it like that because we our we just think of chivalry as being like like the capital r romance thing as opposed to like this quest is about self-improvement but um, Gowan and the Green Knight, the poem, is very about duality. You are right that it is often read as a Christian allegory. Uh, one of the most famous translators of the original poem was actually J.R.R. Tolkien. Oh, today I learned. Yeah, he was obsessed with it because it's very like it. It 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 is a story that's okay with sitting in the middle of something. Like it doesn't necessarily. I'm going to use a word I used in my thesis, liminal spaces. Um, that's what I wrote my master's thesis on was was liminal spaces in medieval dream poetry. And liminal is basically a fancy word for between. Like a doorway is a liminal space. Because you're not in either room, you're in the space of the doorway. And that's sort of like, this is, this is a poem that's very okay with sitting in, sort of, is sitting in its own contradictions, if you will. And that's kind of the point of it. Like you can sort of read it as... A specifically Christian allegory and the going poet was very religious. The other surviving three poems of his are much, uh, much more overtly religious. Pearl, for example, is a story about death in the afterlife. And, you know, Gowan and the Great Knight is a very secular poem that can be read religiously if you want to, but you don't have to, because it's another one of the things where it sits in, in that, in that kind of liminal space and, and you can read it as a Christian allegory or you can read the Green Knight as sort of a, a representative of nature and yeah I, I i mean the movie clearly takes it as a representative of nature with the whole tree cgi makeup thing yeah you know what's weird is in the in the poem he's just a man that's green like he's not he's not like a tree god he's just like a dude that happens to be green and he has a horse that happens to be green so he's from the emerald city <laughs> that would have been hilarious but in the poem he is specifically revealed to be the same person as the Lord that lives in the castle. His name is Bertilac de Hot Desert. That's actually the other thing. That's the other major thing that I remember is that it, I just joked about the Wizard of Oz, but it is sort of a double casting kind of thing. Like the Lord and the Knight are the same person. Um, and I I had always sort of understood that the that the the the, the lady of the castle who he's obsessed with 
is supposed to also be like the girl back home like it's supposed to be the same person in a different guise and um in the movie possibly in the poem that girl doesn't exist okay the lady of the castle does but his girlfriend back in camelot she there's no that character doesn't exist okay what's really interesting about um I mean, this another way this poem deals with duality and not just the like nature and religious thing, but it it, it really does sit in that space between uh, this uh, that a lot of Arthurian myths fall into, where it is Arthur's court is explicitly Christian, existing in a world that is still largely pagan or that has a lot of pagan influences still in it, and you can see that in the the whole the whole gist of the poem, which I'm realizing now we probably should have started with. Is that uh, one Christmas, this random green man comes to Camelot and decides to play a Christmas game, which is really weird now because it doesn't sound like a lot of fun. But, um, you know, he challenges Arthur's knights to strike a blow against him and uh, he'll accept whatever it is as long as, you know, he can return that blow a year hence. And there's a lot of weird folktale kind of games like this. This beheading game is, this is probably the most famous example of it, but it happens in other sort of ballads and stuff too. Also the exchange of winnings game that the the Lord and Gowan Which they don't really in, do a lot of in the movie. It's so weird because in the original poem, almost... Um, uh, he sort of met like the the poet sort of mentions offhandedly that, that Gowan has all these has all these adventures on his way to the Green Chapel because like so what happens is Gowan like accidentally beheads the knight well he doesn't he beheads him on purpose but because this knight is immortal he's fine and in one year he has to go to the Green Chapel to receive a similar blow in return so on his way to the Green Chapel one year later the poet refers in passing to all of these like weird adventures he has. You know, some of, but he doesn't really describe them until he gets to the castle where the lord and lady live. And it's almost the entire opposite in the film because Lowry decides to build out all of those, you know, weird adventures beforehand and then kind of skim over a lot of the stuff that happens at the castle. Yeah. And I, I, I sort of felt like, okay, so there's the, the two big adventures they build out is that one where he doesn't give money to a, a, a person who's wandering around a battlefield for directions. Not in the poem. Yeah. And so the guy basically like then sets his people on him and they steal all of Gwen's stuff. And then the second adventure, he he's looking for basically his all of his stuff has been stolen. So he um he 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 finds an empty house and he goes to sleep in the bed and he wakes up and there's a woman standing over him. And she's basically like, hi, can you help me? I can't find my head. And that's not in the poem either, although that saint is real. St. Winifred is a real a real seventh century Welsh saint who was beheaded and a holy spring is said to have sprung up where her head fell. So I'm assuming that the one he dives into is supposed to be the same thing it's called like holy sea or something so i i sort of took these as like and then there's the one with the fox where he's following the fox around and the fox kind of leads him also to the... not in the poem but i love the fox it's very adorable um i felt like all three of those were supposed to be parables of different things like he didn't give money to the guy so the guy attacked him and he lost all his stuff he was good to this woman and didn't and 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 didn't try to like molest her or anything and did what she asked and so he was allowed to go he he was allowed to go on and get his sword and get his axe back like each thing like is sort of a, a, a you know he when he when he fails to follow the fox he loses his way when he's following the fox he's on the right path like that's sort of how i felt this this 
that these were supposed to be. And so then the Lord and Lady sort of slot into that, where, uh, uh, as I said, uh, Elisha uh, Vikander is, uh, she plays the, the prostitute who he's in love with back home, and then she's the Lady of the Castle, and that's the double casting in this movie instead of the Lord and the Knight. And it, it's, 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 it, I, 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 and the parable there is that like he's he's already lost the the girdle and he basically gets it back from her, but in 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 doing so he I mean they make this pretty sexually explicit like it's kind of like I was like whoa hey, um they it basically like he he gives in to lust and that's how he gets it back and so it's sort of tainted is how I sort of read the movie was trying to make it and that in was the poem it's more about that he lies. Because the way that they're exchanged, this is the other weird folktale game in the poem, and a little bit in the movie, although they don't spend a ton of time on this other than the really weird scene where Gowan has to kiss the lord of the castle. Um, It's an exchange of winnings game. So, like, in the poem, the longest portion of this thing is legit, like, just long stories of this lord going out on hunts and the animals that he hunts and the things that he brings back. And the way it's supposed to go is, like, he's going to go out and hunt every day. He's going to give everything he, like, kills while he's hunting to Gowan. And Gowan has to give him anything that he acquires in the house during the day. So, like, when, uh, like, if the, if the, the wife kisses him on the cheek or gives him a book, like, he has to give the book to the Lord or he has to kiss the Lord in return. And it's about... It's about the honesty of the exchange, and it's that he doesn't give him the girdle, so he lies about it and breaks the rules of the game. But the movie didn't really lean into the game thing that much. They sort of do, but they don't really explain it. I think it's so interesting that this movie really does not tell you anything. Like, it's really, like, who, like, there are no guideposts to who anyone is that that isn't Gowan or the Green Knight. Like, they're... You can tell who Arthur and Guinevere are because they have large crowns on, mm-hmm. but like Merlin is there, and uh, the woman who is Gowan's mother is Morgan Le Fay, but you don't know that because they never tell you. Um, I I guessed it was because at some point they say that she's uh, Arthur says that's my sister, or calls um or or, or calls Gwen uh his nephew, and I was like, oh, so she's supposed to be Morgan Le Fay? Okay, I didn't, was he really the son of Morgan Le Fay? I don't um, remember that, but okay, I'll, sort of, I'll go with it. <laughs> yes and no. Okay. In a lot of Arthurian myths, a lot of people get conflated into different characters, and mm. it sort of depends on if you think that Arthur had two sisters or one sister. And if you think that he had two sisters, his other sister's name was Morgaus. And Gowan is Morgaus's son with a lot of Orkney, not Morgan Le Fay's. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I sort of felt like that I, I didn't remember. I, I felt like I should have remembered that if that was a thing because I was obsessed with Morgan Le Fay when I was a teenager. Um, So I was sort of like, okay. Because but technically I sh- they're two different people. But a lot of people say th- a lot of people in a lot of popular culture smush them together and that Morgaus and Morgan Le Fay are the same person and they're both kind of witchy. Yeah. So basically, like, I, I, there's a lot of you just, because, you know, not all of us, most of us are not you and do not know this stuff backwards and forwards. There's sort of a, no, 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 because seriously, like, oh, she's, like, I feel really smart. I figured out she's Morgan Le Fay. And then you sort of roll with it. Okay. Um, and, and, cause you don't remember those kinds of details. Um, I, I also, I, I really loved the guy who played Arthur. Um, I, 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 I loved that Arthur was old. 
You never see an old Arthur in these stories. He's always sort of depicted as being a man who dies in like the prime of his life and the prime of his sort of rule. But he's like an old and frail man. And I love that. And I love that it implies, or at least I assumed, that because both he and Guinevere are old, uh, the business with Lancelot has already happened and they've somehow like gotten past it, which is not entirely accurate to most of the legends, but I will take it. Yeah, you know, just roll with it. <laughs> yeah, um, honestly, like the the thing is that it, like I one of the other things about this movie is that I recognized every single actor and basically spent like five minutes trying to place each of them because they were so well done that I didn't know why why I'd seen them before. Like it literally took me like half the movie to realize that it that the king that King Arthur is the bad guy from those Mission Impossible movies. Um, and like the, 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 the Lord, that's Owen Lars from all of the, that's the young Owen Lars from all of the new Star Wars movies. Oh, did not realize that. Yeah. Like, no. And I sat there like trying to figure it out. Like each time, like, how do I know? How do I know Guinevere? How do I know? Oh, wait, she's from Game of Thrones. Right. Like, and, 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 um, actually what really got me was the green knight because of course you can't see his face because it's covered in CGI. And I, I kept going, I know that voice. I know that voice. I know that voice. And I realized that it was cause, um, he's in the dark crystal age of resistance. And like, that's why I knew the voice. Oh yeah. His name, his name is like Ralph Innocent or something. I think. Yeah. And so like each like like one of the things about this movie is also that like if you are one of those people who loves to play the where have I seen that actor before like this is so totally a where have I seen that actor before movie Um, and it's a lot of fun that way Um, I I just I also just I it, it most movies don't look like this most movies don't make you do the work. And like most most movies will happily like tell you that is Morgan Le Fay instead of ha- hoping that you sort of know this. I loved this movie. Obviously, it feels like it was made in the lab for me, but I feel like a lot of people are going to think it feels like homework. I, I, I guess I love <laughs> movies that feel like homework because to me, like I, and, and trying to figure out like one of the other things is that I, I actually was sort of sitting there going, is the Lord and the Knight the same actor? Because it's hard to tell because there's so much CGI. It's also the same thing where um, St. Winifred and then there's this sort of dream sequence at the end where 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 Gwen runs away and he basically like goes and sees what his life would be like if he actually like was a coward and ran from the Green Knight. And he he you see him marry like this fancy princess. And for a second, I was like, wait, is that the same actor? No, actually, it's not. But it looks a lot like her. And they they oh, do- I totally thought it was the same. No, it's actually a different actress. Like I looked I had to, but I had to look it up because I was like they looked so similar that I thought that it was another double casting. Um, I also, you know, you said that this movie doesn't explain anything. The ending doesn't explain anything either. Like it no. does the straight up Sopranos cut to black thing. Like and it's really like completely left up to your interpretation. Whereas I said a little bit ago, like in the poem, uh, he lives the night lets him live it's very clear like and he even like compliments him before he lets him leave the green chapel like there's no you know there's there's no ambiguity about it but i've talked to people who have seen this movie who think that he dies and who th- people who think that he lives and there's just this really fascinating kind of like ambiguity i guess about all of it where like he is both headless and whole and Either of those things could be true, and either of those things could count as a happy ending, depending on your point. Depending on your point of view, 
It's and, wild. And and the other thing, I brought up the sort of dream sequence towards the end. That reminded me of the Last Temptation of Christ, mm. um, which is a I I think that I think it actually came out in the eighties, but I saw it in the nineties, and I think of it as a nineties movie where basically like Christ is on the cross and he's basically offered you can you can you can get down and live if you like, and so he gets down and lives, and he sort of has this dream sequence where he discovers what it would be like if he actually doesn't sacrifice himself and sort of lives out his life, and then at the end he goes, you know what? Now I'm going to do my thing, and sort of like, and I felt like especially because I've always thought of this as sort of a Christian poem that I, I felt the echo of that. I wasn't sure it was deliberate, but it really struck me. I think that's just such an interesting choice to sort of, to sort of show you like what the coward's path would have looked like for him. Like yeah. he would have lived for a long time. He would have been relatively sort of successful, happy sometimes, unhappy sometimes. And, he would have screwed and, over his girlfriend and married a really rich girl and had a couple of kids and one would die in battle and the other would. Yeah. Like, you know, like I, I, I thought I, I found I, I actually if there was anything that I wished was longer, I kind of wished that sequence was longer. I mean, it goes just long enough that you start to think it's not a sequence. It's the real thing. This is his real history. But I really would have liked it to go just a little bit more or maybe a little bit more in depth. I'm not sure. What was so interesting about it to me is that in so many of the Arthur legends, like the story of the death of Arthur, for those who don't know it, is that he is sort of fated to be killed by his bastard son. And depending on how much you believe in sort of magic, uh, the the prophecy of the once and future king, what is it? What is it? Uh, Rexque quandum Rexque future, uh, meaning that he and his body are sort of kept in a state of her suspended animation on the island of Avalon where like the witches live basically and Arthur will return one day when England is in its hour of greatest need another fun fact a lot of people think Avalon is Glastonbury tour so do with that what you will um but in a lot of those stories Gowan goes with him like that he is the person who accompanies Arthur's body to Avalon and i don't know a version of the story where he becomes king and sort of continues Camelot because Camelot doesn't survive Arthur. Right. That's the whole thing about Camelot is that it doesn't survive Arthur. Like that's the whole legend. But it's so, it's just so interesting to me to sort of imagine this different kind of future where he doesn't go with Arthur's body or he doesn't die in battle. It gets more dread. Um, that he doesn't have a very like prolonged and, and antagonistic feud with Lancelot even, but that he just goes on because he is the, the King's nephew and Arthur doesn't have any kids and the kingdom just passes him and it just keeps moving. Like it, like it's not Camelot. <laughs> oh, I, I, I have one question. There was one part that the, of the movie that hit me and I was like, what the heck? What's with the female giants? I have absolutely no idea. Lowry made that up. I thought it was beautiful and I really loved it. Because so many of the really old Arthur myths are so weird. Like they are capital W weird. Like there's talking animals and magic and and all kinds of, you know, adventures that these people go on. So to me, that felt like that could have really slotted into those sort of early, very magic-y kind of stories. But that is not in the original poem. I have no idea where he came up with that. I thought it was beautiful. Okay, I I was that that was the one thing where I was like I feel like I did I've, think yeah. I did think um, this is all this is 
I am making this up, but this is my own personal headcanon. Uh, they basically say that Gowan has to go north to find the Green Chapel and he has to ride for five days. Um, uh, depending on where you assume Camelot to be, a lot of people think Camelot was in Cornwall. So that doesn't necessarily work for this because this is not five days from Cornwall. But in the very far north of Scotland, there is something called the Giant's Causeway. And it is basically like a rock. It's a bunch of rock formations. Like Google it right now while I'm talking so you can see it. It's beautiful. Like it's and, and it is basically like um, uh, folk folklore sort of says that it's like where giants used to walk. So I have a because it's a causeway is another word for like road. But uh, so in my head, I was like, oh, obviously he just like found the giant's causeway because that's where they're walking. But it's really in the far north of Scotland, like that or Hebrides maybe. So or the Isle of Skye. It's very, it's it's not close to where the historical Camelot would have been, but that is what I think and what I choose to believe. Um, I also have a question about the post-credit scene. Um, Oh, the daughter. Where the daughter puts the the crown on her head. Um, I, I, I didn't know what that referenced either. Um, and I, I kind of forgot about it for a minute until I was like, there was something else I wanted to ask you. Okay, that's what it was. Uh, also not in the poem. Well, of course not. Um, although I don't think, although I do think there are some legends where Gowan has kids. Um, so I assumed it was just like one of his kids. I really just sort of personally took it as like a nod to the fact that there are so few women in the, in, in the stories <laughs> of Arthur and Camelot that it was like, well, we've rewritten this story. Maybe we can rewrite it some more and like have a girl be part of it. I really loved that Netflix show Cursed and I'm so mad that they canceled it. Um, women in Arthuriana, we need more. I um that's a lot to say I don't know I thought I thought that was such a weird choice because it's not like there's a sequel to this you know and I have to say like honestly like if I hadn't literally been sitting there writing notes I would have gotten up and left because this isn't a Marvel movie <laughs> like what the post credit scene what like I was just literally like sitting there like writing my notes down of things I wanted to remember to ask you about and things I wanted to talk about when we actually did this podcast and like and then suddenly like the movie came back <laughs> And I was like, oh, so I was really glad I sat there. I stand I stand corrected, by the way. I have I am Googling uh, the Giants Causeways in Northern Ireland. But okay. still. yeah, well, that, that's still not really five days walk from Cornwall. Um, in fact, I think there's like a sea in between at that point. Um, I mean, maybe they built a bridge. I don't know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I I have to say as someone who do, who is far more of a, a a mainstream person coming at this movie even though there were definitely points that I didn't understand and parts that like I was like ask Lacey about um <laughs> <laughs> seriously um I I have to say that it is just so beautiful that there's a level where you just sort of like you just have to just sort of let it wash over you like there's a whole sequence where like he the the other thing is each of each each section of the movie has like this sort of illuminated manuscript like title card. That's from the poem. Um, <laughs> that's the, the poem is written in multiple sections, and that's like sort of the names of the sections. And the the section right after he leaves the castle, where he's going down the road, and we basically just get these giant vistas of medieval England, and like just these gorgeous skies, and like forests that stretch on forever, and roads that go God knows where, like. 
I, I honestly like that section could have gone on twice as long and I would have just watched the hell out of it because it was just so gorgeous. And like, of course, you have to move on to like the actual like, you know, parables. But like I, 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 I was trying to think of a movie that moved that slowly and gave you that kind of thing that that I'd seen and all all the movies I was coming up with were super arty films or like um or or like really old films like that's not something you get in modern movies in in that way they don't they don't sort of linger like that I actually love the bit at the very very beginning where they have that weird sort of intro sequence where Gowan's head bursts into flames I was like that a it's just so cool to look at and b it's like they tell you before you even like get to the credits that um this is going to be a really weird, really weird movie. I love that it's so weird. Um, you know what else I didn't think of until I was thinking about this after I saw it? I love that they changed the title. Like, it's not that it's not um, Gowan and, and the Green Knight. It's just the Green Knight because it can, back to our duality, it can refer to either the actual Green Knight who is green or a Green Knight meaning a beginner like yeah because un- in, in- i forgot to say this before but one of the other big differences between the poem and the movie is that in the poem gowan is already like a perfect knight he's like the flower of chivalry everybody in in our arthur's kingdom knows who he is and he's he's arthur's right hand and um he's captain america boring yeah, he's everybody knows who he is, but in the movie they very deliberately made him much younger. He's not a knight yet. He's kind of like a slacker, basically. Like he just drinks a lot and hangs out in the local brothel and doesn't have any stories to tell. Can't find his boots. I thought that was such an interesting uh reversal. Cause like I said, you could if you're talking much like, you know, a lot of the other dual warring things in this if you're taught if you say the green knight you can mean the actual knight who is green or that gowan himself is a bumptis green knight yeah i i i actually um i i sort of figured i sort of thought of that as i was coming out of the movie but like i i wasn't i i still thought that the point i at least i think the title was supposed to be about well i mean you could also call him the tree knight in this um i know it's I, like that the the knight looks really cool especially the scene where he rides kind of into the round table room on his horse and he's all like creaking because he's literally like a tree he's like an ent from Lord of the Rings, basically. Yeah. But, like, it just visually, it looks so awesome, and it much clearly, it much more clearly, like, draws the connections between that night and and sort of nature and the old world and, and all of that kind of stuff that maybe just having a man who was green would not have worked for modern audiences because back in the day, green used to symbolize a lot of things, including, obviously, nature, but also death. The other thing is that, like, a movie like this... You sort of don't think about how much CGI will go into it. You know, when we say CGI, we think of these sort of blockbuster movies. I'm actually really curious about how much of the knight's costume was CGI and how much of it was like practical prosthetics. Yeah. Because I feel like I saw a lot of behind the scenes kind of pictures that made it look like a lot of it was like actual was, makeup. Uh, was like a, pro- a prosthetic situation. Which had to be like heavy as crap. Yeah. Um, probably like seven hours in a chair cut levels of makeup. Um I, I, but the thing is, is that like movies like this are a very deft use of CGI. Like I, I keep calling the, the, the knight is a CGI knight, but he's, you're right. He's not really, he doesn't look it. And there's a lot of like, 
the magic of this film is actually computer generated, but it never looks it. And I really, I I really appreciate a movie that can take what we think of as sort of this this technology that we we sort of take for granted as like sort of like cheesy blockbuster stuff, and like use it to make like really artistic looking movies like this. I just think it's so pretty. Oh, and the lighting. Can I just say the lighting? Oh my god. Okay, that is all. Thank you. Sorry. You your 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 degree is in is in art theory and legend. My degree is in lighting. Uh, <laughs> medieval dream poetry, thank you. Yeah. I like just ha- I just happened to read all of the Gowan poets' works. Um the other thing I loved about this movie is the it really interesting and this is probably only something that's super going to appeal to people like me who know or at least have experienced the original. Um the original, the original poem, in, or rather the original poem in its original sort of uh, Middle English is uh, written in a very specific uh, alliterative style, like the way that the sounds repeat into this thing at the end of every stanza called a bobbin wheel, which is a, a double rhyming little thing at the end. The way that it sounds is very important because you have to remember that back then... Um, the reason that this poem only survives in a single manuscript is back then most people like it cost a lot to write something down. So when you wrote something like this, you wanted to make it very easily easy to to share orally and to make it easy to remember and repeat because probably you weren't going to write it down that much. So I thought that a lot of the sound in the movie was really um, reflective of the way that the sound is used in the actual original text. So nobody except very nerdy people are going to care about that. But I cared about it, so you all get to hear about it. So if there was another Arthurian legend that was turned into a movie like this, which one would you want it to be? Oh, oh, that's a good one. Um, well, Lancelot, the Knight of the Cart, which is the, the Chrétien poem, is actually really interesting and good because mostly you don't get Lancelot stories that are apart from uh, Arthur and Guinevere. And I think it's interesting that he has so many other adventures, including letting a woman die of a broken heart for him, RIP Elaine of Astolat, um, that don't have anything to do with them. But that's what we remember about his story is the affair. And let's see. Uh... Uh, Yvain and the lion, like I said, is actually really cute. Like this knight makes friends with the lion instead of killing it. And they're like BFFs after that. And they go on adventures together. Oh, no, I I don't, you know, I've yet to see a really good, I'm trying to think of like, neither of those would make a lot of money. Uh, (laughs) A really good grail movie would, would be awesome. I think like a, like a real like Galahad movie. Yeah, because the thing is, again, that's another one that really the Christian overtones have so taken over it. I mean, that- technically, Percival was the first Grail Knight, and then they sort of replaced him with Galahad, who was much more overtly like Christ-like because he's much purer than Percival is. Yeah, but if if they were to try to take that and sort of, um, I'm going to say paganize it, which isn't really fair to the Green Knight, but that, you know, take it and sort of put it back to its to to its non-Christian form, sort of a secular form. Um, I think that's the that- thing about a lot of these legends is that they do exist in that space of like they are stories for an increasingly Christian audience, but who is very still grounded in sort of like, I'm making air quotes, like the old world, sort of like the more 
less Christian, so shall we say. Like, there's a reason that Arthur is is presented as, like, the greatest Christian king and all of that kind of stuff. But, like, so many of the other things about that story are very uh, not as religious. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And, you know, I think I think you're right. If if there were I, I would be very interested to see a Grail story in which they attempted to do something like they've done here. Like, I think that would be really interesting. I know, because most of the Grail stories are very I feel like most modern modern audiences these days know the Grail story because of like Indiana Jones or, or Monty Python or Monty Python. I We've talked about how I don't like Monty yes, Python. I know, Although but- Spamalot was funny. I'll give you that. Can, can I just tell you that when Gwen runs away from the Green Knight, oh, no. I heard that stupid song, Sir Robin Runs Away, in my head. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's fine. It's <laughs> fine. No, I don't like that. Uh, but I feel like that's what people, that's that's sort of how people know about that story. And like the whole business with the Fisher King who mm-hmm. can't die and all of that stuff is is always left out of it and it's so weird and interesting and I think that would be a really I think that would be another kind of there's a lot about the Green Knight that feels like a fantasy movie crossed with like a horror film Mm -hmm. and I think that 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 aspect of the Grail story is is similar that part of the reason you have to find this cup is because this man can't die (laughs) oh yeah several several of the trailers ahead of the Green Knight when I saw it in the theater were horror tinged which i thought was also interesting um because you know they pair trailers it sort of tells you what the theater thinks the audience is that's going to come see this and clearly they thought that this was going to bring in some horror lovers i think that's because it's also an a24 film Uh, and a24 is really known for a lot of their sort of smart horror um i mean i feel there's a venn diagram there for sure trying to google something about the fisher king but oh well <laughs> nobody needs me to go off in a rant about that but i would watch a i would watch a movie about that for sure okay or you know a, one about the about girls would be fine there's not like a ton of girls in the like do an actual space. one about guinevere where she where it's not all about like who she who she sleeps with that'd be mm, kind of that cool. would be nice uh, I would also love to see like something really good of like they like the the I'm making air quotes again, uh, like the witches of these legends get like I think kind of a bad rap. Well, I I, I mean Morgan Le Fay, let's just like leave it there. Like original goth girl. Yeah, in the poem they sort of like <laughs> reveal that all of this was her doing that she like manipulated everything as like a test for Arthur and his knights and they never really explain why or anything. They just like drop that and keep it moving. And I'm like, and we blamed a woman. The end. <laughs> so sad and so true. Dang it. Um, I also just read a really great uh, book called Half Sick of Shadows, and it was about Elaine of Astolat, who is the Lady of Shalott, mm-hmm. like the like the painting. Um, um and the Miss Marple murder, which is actually how I first learned of the poem, The Lady of Shalott. Okay, oh, sorry. Okay, did not know that. <laughs> like that little Venn diagram crossing of our interests, though. Look at that. But it was about, it was sort of like a retelling of like her story from her perspective and it added some magic and she was like a seer and all this stuff. But it was just interesting because it's, again, like that's another character who sort of is used to forward the story of Ben, which we all know is bad. So there's that. Anyway, 
Uh, I don't know if I can in good conscience encourage anyone to like go to a theater to see the Green Knight. But, oh, oh, uh, oh! They actually, um, they, the it, it, it is sometimes streaming. A twenty four has, uh, they did one like one night only streaming thing on their website with it already once, and I think they'll probably do it again. I think so too because this has been a really, um, or rather, I hope so, and I don't think it'll be that long before it's available on like digital rental or download because I think. Uh, this I, I I loved this movie, but I also think a lot of other people liked this movie. This is the first movie they've been able to see in a year and a half, so it's it's gotten a really like good critical reception. So I'm hoping that that translates into more people just word of mouth wanting to see it. It's a really great film. It's weird, it's challenging in places, but like I really, I, it's going to be on like my best of the year list. I'm sure. Okay. Ah, I know. I can keep going, but I'm not going to. I'm going to stop. Um, The Green Knight. See it when you can safely do so. I'm not encouraging anybody to go and uh, be in a theater right now. Now is not the time. Again. Yeah. Um, But see it when you can, because it's good. So, Annie, over to you to not talk about this and tell people where they could find you on the internet. Uh, you can find me at any bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Any Bundle on Facebook. Uh, you can find pictures of my cats at Any Bundle on Instagram. Uh, let's see. I am a staff writer at Elite Daily. Um, and I'm the associate editor here at televisions.org. And I also freelance around the web. Um, and you know, this is being the, the end of August. There's not a lot right now. Um, but I, I, I would really recommend, um, I'm, my review of only murders in the building is going to be out in a couple days and I highly recommend it because it is a fabulous, fabulous show. All right. That is all. Um, that, that show does feel like it would be very in your lane. Uh, it, it is fantastically in my lane and, 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 and yours too. For heaven's sakes, we have a podcast. I know. I was going to say it's in it like about true crime podcasts. You know, I love those. Um, <laughs> I am Lacey MB on Twitter. That is L-A-C-Y-M-B and like Annie, I write a lot here at Televisions and other places around the entertainment web. And if by some bizarre chance you have thoughts about The Green Knight or The Gown Poet or anything related to uh, medieval dream poetry, I would love to talk about that. I know you probably don't, but I always ask, even when we get new employees at work, no one ever. We did have an intern once that was into medieval history, so we bonded about that. It was great. Um <laughs> keeping it moving the site and the pod are on social media at uh, telly underscore visions on twitter and televisions blog all one word on facebook televisions is a product of weta and if you like what we do you can visit us at televisions.org and click on the donate button up top to help us keep doing it support public media and gain access to pbs passport which has a variety of, I am sad to say, non-Arthurian things for you to watch and enjoy in all manner of genres. That is our show this week. Um, King Arthur is great. Everybody should read and watch more of these old legends because they have lasted this long for a reason. And other than that, I got nothing except my standard refrain to please, please get vaccinated. Help your family members and friends get vaccinated. Take care of each other. It is getting scary out there. And uh, we will be back next week. Thank you.